Hello everyone, welcome back. Um, I'm Skye and I'm here with two of my coworkers, Anna and Sam. We are picking back up with part two on the resurrection of Christ. In part one, we looked at evidence for the resurrection and answered yes to the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? In part two, that's what we're doing now, we're going to explore the question, why is Jesus's resurrection important? Essentially, why does it matter that Jesus rose from the dead? So before we jump into answering that question, let's hear the resurrection account from Matthew 28 again. Sam, could you please read this for us? Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Thanks for reading that for us, Sam. From hearing this account read again, what stands out to each of you? Anna, Sam, I'd love to just hear your thoughts. What stands out? I love the immediate response of the women to realizing that it's Jesus. They just take hold of his feet. And again, that kind of, I guess, a couple days prior, Jesus had spent one of his last nights on earth washing the disciples' feet, like washing this gross area of their body that, you know, people are really supposed to touch. They don't want to touch. Um, and the women, their first response is just kneel at his feet to, to cling to his feet and, and to worship him and to yeah, declare their love and joy at seeing him again. I was thinking, too, when it said his appearance was like lightning and his clothing is white as snow. And there's a sense that you think that maybe he is an angel, right? Because it sort of talks about the angel and then it talks about him. And what does it mean that someone's appearance is like lightning? I mean, there was, a, there was an awesomeness to it. But then as we see here and we'll see later is just what Sam said. They could touch his feet like he had a body. Um and so that's part of the key of the resurrection, too, is that it wasn't just like he was a ghost or a spiritual vision or being, but he had a physical reality to him as well. So just the it's just striking those things together, the description that he was like lightning, but they took hold of his feet. And one of the things, um, Anna, as you're talking about him being like lightning, I always just love the other details we get of like power um, and just the fact that like there was a great earthquake um, and it's like okay um, the angel comes the angel of the lord descends from heaven rolls back the stone like these are things that a powerful angel these are things that god is capable of um, we talked a little about, about in part one that the disciples couldn't have stolen the body because they wouldn't have been like powerful enough to kind of pull this off or strong enough to um, move the rock um, from the tomb without people seeing. So I just love those details of like power. And this is God's power. 
And it's God's power behind a resurrection. A resurrection doesn't happen on a normal day. Um, This isn't something that we just like snap our fingers and are like, yeah, rise from the dead. Um, This is power that comes only with God. So I love seeing the power here. Well, and you see the response of do not fear, do not fear, or do not be afraid, do not be afraid, because displays of that kind of power, just like a thunder and lightning storm, like when we see big power, we can also get afraid, even when we're amazed by the awesomeness of it. So the angel says, do not be afraid. And Jesus says to the women, do not be afraid. And they run from the tomb with fear, but also with great joy. So they have this combination of like, yeah, they're still sort of overwhelmed and in a sense fearful, but they're also very joyful and excited about this as well. Okay, this is great. Thanks for pulling out kind of these different details. I always enjoy reading the resurrection accounts from the gospel and celebrating the risen Christ on Easter. From the gospels, we read about Christ being resurrected, and it is a powerful and remarkable event that has huge implications for our faith. So why don't we turn now um, to the importance of the resurrection. Uh, there are so many things that we could mention here, um, but let's just jump into this. This is answering kind of our second question. Why is Jesus's resurrection so important? Um, so Anna, Sam, why is Jesus's resurrection important? Why does it matter for us today? Well, we've been studied uh, this whole year about God's plan of salvation, God's drama of redemption. And this is the climax of the story. This is the fulfillment of the plan that he set in place from the very beginning. Um, So we go back to Genesis 3, where the fall happens, um, and God is telling Adam and Eve what the consequences of their sin will bring, but also offering them a hope um, that he will He is still in control, that he has the power to overcome their mistake. Um, And I think, yeah, that promise to crush the serpent's head. This is Jesus crushing the serpent's head. Um, It's really powerful, really cool to think about God's provision from pretty much day one of Mm -hmm. humanity. Right, because even from the garden, um, you know, God says, do not eat of that fruit of the tree or you will die. So from chapter three of the Bible, our biggest problem has been death, right? That's the biggest enemy of the human race. It's a tool that our human enemies use. They may put us to death, but but the weapon, the thing is death. That's the, that's the thing that we all face. And so I think why the resurrection is so important is because what happens to Jesus is going to happen to us, right? In the Christian understanding, we are in Christ, like what he does, we do. So if he hadn't come out of the grave, then we wouldn't be coming out of the grave. Um, If he hadn't gotten a resurrected body, we wouldn't be getting a resurrected body. So the fact that he was resurrected, he went down into the grave, but then he came back up out of it as the firstborn of all creation, as he's referred to as some places, and he gets his resurrected body. That is setting the pathway of what our salvation is going to look like as we sort of ride his coattails, if you want to have that image. I know I'm mixing metaphors here, but um, firstborn and coattails, but it's just like, that's our trajectory too. So I think that's part of why it's so important because it's our hope that when we die, that's, that's not the end. And that's like the essence of a Christian hope. And I'd also just say kind of on this idea of how I just love seeing how the whole Bible ties together. 
um, Sam mentioned from Genesis 3, kind of the serpent being crushed. Um, Anna talking about how we have this resurrection hope um, and how this was a part of the whole plan. And uh, I just even think from a couple of weeks ago, our last time in the Old Testament, um, the new covenant was being promised. Um, and then the new covenant is fulfilled in the way of salvation here with Jesus. Um, so I just, I love to see everything in the Bible pointing towards Jesus um, and pointing towards his resurrection. And this is kind of the um, God's point throughout the whole Bible. Um, it's his plan for the world. It's his plan to kind of redeem um, us as broken sinners through Christ. And even more immediately, I mean, it fulfills these long-term words of Scripture that have existed for centuries, but it also is important because it fulfills what Jesus taught about himself. Like the Gospels record him saying, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be rejected by the Jewish leaders, I'm going to be killed, and after three days I'm going to rise again. And there are many recorded instances of that. And the disciples, as we mentioned in part one of the podcast, didn't really get that. But Jesus was consistent on that. So in a sense, I mean, it's kind of basic, but he needed to fulfill what he said to prove that he was a trustworthy and true prophet um, and a true a true message, um, revelation from God. So he predicted it and he taught it. So it, you know, his resurrection verified everything that he says in his ministry. It's not just like, oh, he's a good teacher and it doesn't matter whether he raised from the dead or not. He didn't really hinge anything on that. Like Jesus hinged his ministry on who he was and what he was going to do in his death and resurrection. Um, yeah, that's partly why it's very important. Yeah, and I think about um, something we studied in an earlier Bible study a couple of weeks ago about Jesus's baptism and kind of the inauguration of his ministry Wow, you'd say maybe the resurrection is the kind of, yeah, again, the culmination of his ministry, what everything had been building up to. But we saw right from the beginning uh, with his baptism, the idea of him going under and then coming back up um, anew and the heavens opening up and Jesus, God himself, the father calling Jesus, his son, his beloved, and that with him, he is well pleased. And um, I think up until the resurrection, we saw Jesus go through a lot of suffering, a lot of betrayal, and a lot of death. <laughs> and it might have been a point for many of the disciples to, to wonder and the people watching Jesus's life to say, oh, is this how God treats um, his beloved son and, and who he, someone who he is well pleased with? But that wasn't the end of the story. Um, just to see God the Father bring Jesus back to full glory and restoration and then raise him up to exalt him. Um, that is that is how Jesus or that is how God the Father loves. That is how God the Father shows that he is well pleased with his son. And I think something that also is just important with the resurrection, and this goes with what you were saying, Sam, it's like, okay, Jesus was raised from the dead because death couldn't hold him. Because he lived the perfect life, he didn't deserve death. So God raised him from the dead. And this is another reason that the resurrection is so important because it points to um, and it kind of confirms and demonstrates that God has indeed dealt with sin. Um, he has indeed dealt with sin and overcome it. Um, and that's important for us because uh, it says that Jesus bore our sin on the cross. Like it's important for us because Jesus has dealt with our sin, um, which means then that our sin is taken care of and God can forgive us um, and we can 
be at peace with God through believing um, and putting our trust in Jesus. Because in some ways, I almost feel like when we think about Good Friday, we med- when we meditate on Christ's death on the cross, in some ways, Christ dying leaves us with a question mark. We see that He died for our sins, but it's not clear if that's going to satisfy God. It's not clear. Was He the perfect sacrifice? Was He actually sinless? Or did He have sins of His own that He needed to die for? Um, and so, in a way, even though Jesus dealt with our sins on the cross, we don't get an answer until Sunday. Like, yes, actually, he was sinless. And like, yes, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Yes, his sacrifice has been accepted. That is all like verified and you can trust it now. It's not just like Jesus goes to the grave and we're like, I hope that worked. Like, <laughs> and then we all have to die and just find out if it worked, you know, but if he came back to life as a sign from God that that was effective and he's going to tell you about it now. So yeah, we have that assurance through the resurrection. Yes, I agree with Anna. Um, that confidence that we have in knowing that Christ has been resurrected and that our forgiveness and our salvation is secure and it doesn't depend on us. We we talked about it a few a few weeks ago. Again, the idea of there's someone who has done the work for us. We get to experience a new birth and a new life. But Jesus was the one who had to labor and suffer um, and die for those sins. Um, but out of that comes this whole new transformed life that we now get to live because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Yeah, that is wonderful. And that is another just beautiful thing that the resurrection gives us. It gives us the power to live a new life, to live a new transformed life. Um, Romans 8, 11, just I love this verse. It puts it so well. And if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. And I love that because it's like we have this life. We can take hold of life, which is truly life um, because of the reality of the resurrection, because we now have a risen Christ. And we have Romans 8 also mentions the spirit, which we haven't really talked much about the spirit, but we have the spirit of God living in us. um, And we have that reality. So because of what Jesus did, um, we now have the power um, to live transformed lives, um, to live um, godly lives, to live lives that are not caught up in the world, um, not caught up in the worries of the world, but that are pointed towards Christ. And God, Christ gives us the power um, to live in that way, um, to live in a way um, that just brings life to our life, which sounds kind of weird, um, but just bring more fullness of life into the life that we are living today. We talk about eternal life, something we have in Christ, which is something we have in Christ, um, but we also have a fullness of life that comes um, on this earth as we are living this out by living a life for Christ and through the power of Christ. Another thing I think about with that sky is sort of going thinking about eternal life blending with our life here and the idea that jesus is alive right now Mm -hmm. i mean 
Amen. Hallelujah. Like, I'm just like, wow, he is, I mean, he's ascended into heaven and he's at the right hand of God and he sent the spirit to empower us. That's what he tells his disciples, but he is alive and he is in his resurrected body. And we've talked so much in these Bible studies about like wanting a king, like a real king, like a good king. And he's there. He is there. We have a good king, and he's a good king right now, but also he will come again in his second coming to reestablish the kingdom of God on earth. He will recreate earth, and he will reign, and we will live in that kingdom. Because I feel like part of what is hard for me, hard for us to comprehend, is that when we die, we haven't just been like reconciled with God so that we can peacefully like sleep in the grave. And that's all that comes. And at least we won't have to experience wrath. It's like, no, you're going to wake up again. You're going to give a whole life in the kingdom of God, a whole life, because Jesus is living a life right now. So it's also just telling us that this time before our death is not all there is. There really The Christian hope is really that there is a whole nother life to come that Jesus initiated and that we're going to live out with him. Um, So yeah, there is a kingdom and that's just really exciting. And it gives us a hope that allows us or provides for us to face suffering in this world head on. Um, I really love a verse. I think it's from 2 Corinthians that talks about you know, the momentary afflictions that we face, it is all for a purpose that there is an eternal weight of glory that, um, that is coming. Um, and we see that Jesus went through intense, um, long lived affliction and suffering. Um, but to see that he received that weight of glory is assurance again, that we will also receive that. And, um, another verse that I love, is John 16, uh, verse 33, um, just the comfort that Jesus gives us of, we will have peace in this world, you will have trouble, he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, that is such a comfort. Yeah, I love those passages that you're referring to, Sam. And they are really poignant, because although we've been talking too about the glory and the resurrection that is to come, We know that that's not what we're experiencing yet. We're still in this time of trial, just like Jesus went through a time of trial and he went through death. He didn't skip it. We don't get to skip it either. Um, And so we are going to go through a lot of really hard times. But what gives us hope is that Jesus has gone through these things before he's actually died and he's gone into the grave and he will go with us when we go, you know, and he will not leave us to face that alone. You know, Psalm 23, one of the most famous portions of scripture, but for a reason, it says, you know, that the Lord is our shepherd. And even though it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And then later on, the psalmist says, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's this huge idea in the Christian faith of the comfort and the strength of Jesus's presence with us at all points in our life, in our death, and in our life after death. All three of those phases, he is with us. And therefore, we can have peace and we can trust in him. And even when we're scared by death, obviously, it is a scary reality, even when we're overwhelmed with suffering, we know that Jesus has been there too, and that he is currently with us, that his spirit is with us. Um, So that can give us a lot of hope, um, even when we're not 
experiencing the fully resurrected life with him right now. But his resurrection and the path he took gives us great hope. And that's how the Gospel of Matthew actually ends. The last phrase, Jesus says to his disciples, and Jesus' words are, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I just love that truth and hearing those words that Jesus speaks to you and to me, um, to all of us. Jesus is saying, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's just a promise that we have through Jesus, um, which I think just kind of brings everything together, knowing all the things that Jesus has gone through for us, all of the reasons that his death and resurrection impact our lives, um, and knowing that as we walk this path of life um, in this world and into the next, like we are not alone. God goes before us and God walks alongside us. Those are beautiful truths for us to hear. Again, I want to ask each of you to sit with this reality, the reality that Jesus took your sins to the cross and rose from the dead. He went before us, leading us by faith to life everlasting, and he promises to be with us always. So I just want to invite you to sit with this reality of the resurrection and to thank God for all that he has done for you, all that Jesus did and all that he is continuing to do. So we're going to stop there. Um, we want to thank you guys all for listening. Um, and we just ask that God would strengthen you in your faith and your in your joy today and every day. So as is a common saying um, on Easter in many churches, um, let's end with this common saying, Christ is risen. He is, he is risen, risen indeed. indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.